The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Glad you could join us for the Big Red Bench on this Sunday evening. You join us on a day that Munster have been beaten by Racing 92 in Paris. We'll be discussing that game in depth in just a little bit. We'll hear from Johan van Graan and we'll hear from our former Munster star Johnny Holland as well on that game coming up between now and 7pm. Also on the show tonight, reaction from UCC's two wins today in the Fitzgibbon Cup and the Sigerson Cup. Billy Morgan far from happy with the scheduling of their clash today. We're also going to hear from Mike Kieran Kingston and Ronan McCarthy after Cork's defeat last night to Limerick. Cork's defeat, I should say, to Limerick last night. I'm going to wrap up all today's action as well. I'm going to talk to Kevin Byrne, boxing journalist for the Irish Sun, about Spike O'Sullivan's defeat to Jaime Munguia overnight. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. Hagen and Tomas O'Leary here with you until 7pm this evening if you would like to get in touch with us share us your thoughts on Munster's performance today perhaps send us a text on 086 8104 you can send us a WhatsApp on that number as well or you can tweet us directly here at the Big Red Bench at Big Red Bench on Twitter alright we have a lot to discuss over the next hour Tomas uh, we are going to talk about Munster in a little bit more depth in just a bit and the scoring certainly doesn't reflect the whole 80 minutes though does it? No, absolutely. Um, a bit of a deflation, really, um, after it. And you can imagine how the players are feeling. Kind of great start, went 9 0 up, and we're well within the game in, in touch. And I think around the 65th minute, I think, is when Munster got their last penalty. Mm. But there was a chance to maybe score a try there. And I think uh, Wayne Barnes called it back for a double knock on, where he, he probably could have looked a bit closer. So, yeah. um, and obviously, looked at the couple of unbelievable tries, unbelievable pieces of skill from. <laughs> Ibrahim and yeah. um, and obviously Tende Tomat to finish the, the last as well he's his last try as well um, so that you can't really um, prepare to, to, to concede tries like no. that so look um, probably not a, a fair reflection scoreline but I do think that that wrestling probably had the X factor um, particularly Fekatau in midfield um, Finn Russell as well uh, and obviously uh, Teddy Ibrahim at nine as well so look I think they deserve the win but Munster uh, definitely can be proud of their performance but definitely will be deflated after it Yeah we'll talk to uh, Johnny Holland about that in just a little bit and as I said we're going to hear from Johan van Graan as well but first though Tomas going to get us up to date and everything that happened today um, To the rugby obviously Munster have been beaten by Racing 92 in Paris French side ran out 39, 22 winners thanks to three tries in the last 12 minutes and Andrew Conway got the Reds' only try of the game just before half-time. Leinster's 100% start to the season remains intact meanwhile. They beat Leon 42-14 in their European Champions Cup clash in the RDS. Dave Kearney went over the line twice in the first half as well as Joss van der Fleer. Max Deegan then secured a bonus point for Leah Cullen's side with their fourth try before Sean Cronin got another as well as Andrew Porter. Ross Burnt and five conversions through the post with Kieran Frawley adding the sixth. The Blues were already through to the quarterfinals part of the game and they'll be at home for that game. Head coach Cullen was delighted with the performance. Yeah, so we've ticked a lot of the boxes there today. Um, parts of the performance, you know, like there's plenty to work on for sure. But like in terms of what we needed to get out of today, we're, we're pretty pleased. Um, you know, reasonably clean bill out is what it looks like so far as well. So, um, yeah, no, overall, the game was a little bit stop-start, a bit scrappy. Um, but we managed to get the job done, or certainly the play managed to get the job done we were looking at the pool one um, standings just before we came on air and just Leinster's performance is ridiculous 24 points out of 25 they've scored was it over 20 tries or something like that and they've over 100 points uh, like uh, points difference it's an incredible machine that that uh, Leinster team is 
Yeah, look, um, obviously they had the internationals there, but the academy players that come in, um, they just add to the team almost, and the competition for places is genuine. So, mm. like you said, they're a machine. They're almost like the dubs in, in, in the GAA. Um, they're, they're making, that's one thing saying they have the population, but they're really utilising that and, and making use of it. So you have to, I suppose, tip the hat to their academy structures and also the coaching of Leo Cullen and Stuart yeah. Lancaster in managing those players. When you have that depth of talent, um, you know, you have to manage them and keep them all happy. So look, they look like the, the favourites for the competition at the moment. All right, it's still not quite over for Munster though, as I mean, like we were looking at the permutations today. Now it is quite complicated, but it's also not impossible. No, not impossible. So, look, we won't give up hope yet. Um, so, look, obviously, Munster can still go through if they get the bonus point win versus Ospreys. So, that's the first job to do. Yeah. Rassing then have to beat Saracens. Um, so, Which, that's a yeah. big ask, obviously. Um, Saracens are at home for that game as well. So, they, you imagine they'll uh, wheel, wheel back in the big all the big guns. Um, mm-hmm. But having said that, you know, Rassing are obviously a fine side and if they click, um, that could potentially happen. And then, if Racing beat Harrison's two out of the following three uh, results have to happen. So Toulouse have to beat Gloucester, Leon have to beat Northampton and Glasgow have to fail to get a bonus point win at sale. So if two out of those three happen, potentially Munster can still go through. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> I'm saying Munster are definitely going through. <laughs> I like it. Uh, on to the, today's GAA and uh, UCC had narrow wins in the Fitzgibbon and Sigerson Cups today both of them against NUIG Galway uh, first up the Hurlers defeated NUIG 19 points to 17 and then the footballers followed with a 1 point win 212 to 114 yeah we're going to hear from uh, Billy Morgan in just a bit he's really really unhappy with the scheduling of uh, today's game and just says basically college doesn't open until tomorrow so they have no preparation we'll be here from Billy Morgan a little bit later on in the show and on to the Premier League and currently it's uh, Man City have just actually scored their sixth goal um, so it's 6-0 six, six, um, six there after it's Sergio Aguero Hattrick yeah it's his third goal of the game um, this Aston Villa team are dreadful yeah they are dreadful and obviously uh, City do have a bit of ability as well so mm. um, total mismatch there um, earlier today Watford won 3-0 away to Bournemouth and in the Championship uh, the Welsh Derby between Cardiff City and Swansea City finished scoreless uh, on to golf and a closing round of 64 saw Shane Lowry finish um, second in the season opener at the Hong Kong Open the Offaly man finished up in 13 under par four shots off Australian Wade Ormsby Lowry had rounds to 69 68 66 and 64 across the tournament for a solid showing overall at Fangling and on to boxing obviously where Spike O'Sullivan was stopped in the 11th round of his bout with Jaime Munguel last night but a, a really good performance by him you, you know you got up Rory to, yeah, to watch it yeah got up at half past three it's fighting start until five o'clock <laughs> so that was 90 minutes of sleep I missed up on last night but look um, I think everyone was expecting Munguia to, to take Spike out early well Barros Cork people obviously um, but it was a he dug very very deep we're going to talk to Kevin Byrne of the, the Irish Sun in a, in a bit about that but Spike uh, put in a, a great performance I don't think Munguia was expecting how tough Spike was going to be Spike had a chance to maybe knock him out in the third round as well really rattled him uh, but an excellent performance from Spike it'll be interesting to see what happens from here and on to the NFL um, in the divisional round this evening Kansas City Chiefs take on the Houston Texans at 5 past 8 and the Green Bay Packers face the Seattle Seahawks at 11.40 Alright thanks Tomas going to hear uh, briefly from Johan Van Graan before we hear from Johnny Holland Tough one to take uh, over the trial on the on 60 um, twice uh, you know got we got 3 points and the, the, the difference was they got the 7 pointers magic moment there from Teddy Tomas which uh, on 71 minutes um, 
know, we, we fell behind and then you know two magic tries there at the end. So feel the scoreline's not reflective, but you've uh, you know that's that's been You've got to give it to Rusting. They finished the game really well. Really proud of our guys. They they literally gave it all they got. And um, like I said. Uh, the, the last few minutes took it away from us. There was that moment with about 60 minutes gone where you were 22-20 up and JJ Hanrahan had kicked the penalty. Were you perhaps tempted to maybe have another scrum because you had the momentum? Look, um, you know, it was a it was a tight game and we were over the trial line twice before that and, you know, you you take the opportunities that's presented to you and, you know, that took us in front. So um, they made a decision on field and um, it was a good decision to take us in front. It's highly unlikely mathematically not impossible but highly unlikely that Munster can now qualify and that would be not getting out of the pool for the first time in four seasons how much does that hurt? It really hurts um, you know, at this stage uh, we've always got to deal with, with tonight first and you know, it's, it's out of our hands now um, and I can go to Saracens and you know, they have to beat Saracens there and we've got to beat Ospreys to give ourselves a chance Thank you, though. Thanks, William. Yes, that's Johan van Grand there. He obviously knows speed Ospreys as a start of it, but uh, sounds a little bit disappointed, I think. Yeah, look, I suppose like the initial thing is just total disappointment and de- dejection. Um, it was a good performance, particularly the first half. We got a good start, um, went three six nine up. Um, mm. You know, JJ Cameron was kicking well. Uh, Conor Murray controlled the game well. And um, then I suppose after 20 minutes, um, Racing did start to get a bit of momentum, come into the game. Finn Russell had a few chips. Um, Fekatawa in midfield was causing havoc, to be fair. And um, look, obviously they, they got a brilliant try um, with Teddy Ibrahim, um, an unbelievable piece of skill. They had a penalty advantage, mm-hmm. but you you probably won't see as, as skillful uh, a, a try again this year. Um, and look... Half time, Munster still went in ahead. Obviously, Conway, brilliant intercept. So, um, Munster well and truly in the game, and and and, and like didn't didn't look out of place. But no. you felt that Racing created that momentum and go forward easier than Munster were able to. So, um, you know, their class kind of told in the end. Unfortunately, all right. Uh, you've been in conversation with Johnny Holland. Yeah, look, um, it was great to catch up with Johnny and um, had, a, had a quick conversation after the game as to how we saw it. So, um, look, we'll put it on there, Rory. Racing Metro 39, Munster 22, and I'm joined by ex-Munster player Johnny Holland um, to, to review the game. Johnny, thanks for joining me on the Big Red Bench. Um, I guess, look, what's your initial reaction after the game? Um, a bit of sympathy towards Munster because obviously a little bit of bias in there but they, they fought for a lot of the game and, and they actually were in a good bit of control for a lot of that game as well you know they, they fought the lead a couple of times but they had it for a lot of the game and I think they like one or two mistakes at, at vital times and maybe lost the momentum as far as it but Jesus, they, they fought for a long time and I, I think so we, we kind of expected Racing to take control of it at some stage and it was going to be hard for the 80 minutes but I thought they were and going to pull one out of the bag and keep the Champions Cup hopes alive, but unfortunately they, they kind of fell off towards the end. Yeah, look, the, this 39-22 scoreline was definitely, probably didn't reflect reflect the game, but look, I suppose initially the first half obviously went nine points up, and look, I felt um, John Clayne gave away an awful soft penalty um, by obstructing uh, chasing a scandal kick. Um, I think that got Rassing back into the game, and little silly moments like that might have cost them in the end. Yeah, like 9-0 and you're in full control. I was cash reset to get out of there again, I thought. It was a little bit silly. And then um, Racing kind of turned it a small bit and amongst them were hanging on for a while there. I remember thinking it was 28 minutes going, well, it was a long time to, to half time, but Conway then pulling one out of the bag, 16-11, you were thinking, you know, strong start to the, the second half. Like, 
they did JJ Kerr's line, Pete won a line out. And, um, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're a little bit of control and trying to, trying to win the game, but it was always going to be difficult. Yeah, and I suppose, look, speaking with your coaching hat on now, obviously your your backs coach for, for Cork Con, um at, at the moment. Do you think that maybe once you're lacking that bit of X factor, you know, you look at, so it's like the Fekato, I thought he was unbelievable today. And obviously at, at 9 and 10, I thought they, they had that X factor. Are we maybe lacking that in Munster? And I guess if you had a, a blank checkbook, if there was one player in the world that you could buy or for this Munster team, who would it be? That's one question. But I think it is the the kind of power in the field. I know Chris Farr is a very powerful guy, but you know you look at Claremont today and George Mwala and uh, the, the thirteen as well, Tuaver or something like that. Uh, they're two big ball carriers that can actually move as well. And then you see Vakatawa at thirteen. You know, once they're up against it, when you're playing against these teams, you can get those guys on the front foot. So who they're going to sign, I'm not sure. But um, there is something like we're, we're laughing at me in, in Munster, like it's. It, it, it feels like we find it hard to go forward at times and, and like you get guys like Ozzy stepping back in off the wing as opposed to getting a chance to be put away so that's where we're I think we're struggling a small bit but um, you know then there's a little bit of handling in the field there three forward passes going behind the, like you know you get a sweet pass out the back to the 10 of probably JJ and the three of them going to the ground like you know and lost all momentum and then Rassin pick it back up and, and all of a sudden they're trying to try to win it you know so um very difficult for them when when you're going a little bit more lateral like that. Uh, but I think they did a little bit better than usual. But you are definitely missing a little bit of act factor, a little bit of go forward in the midfield, uh, and it's tough when you're like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose looking forward, obviously there, there's dejection in the dressing room at the moment. Um, look, going going forward now the rest of the year, obviously you, you'll hope that the results might go your way and Saracens may potentially lose uh, to, to Rassig at home, but very unlikely. You obviously don't give on, up in the Champions Cup as of yet, but um, how important now is the, is the Pro 14 and for Monsters uh, season going forward and obviously with a new coaching ticket to, to progress and, and obviously build towards next year also? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The new coaching ticket is very exciting. Like, and I, I, I can see Stephen Larkin is doing things right. There, there's more being added to their game. Uh, it looks like it's not flowing fully yet. And Graham Rountree coming in, I think, is going to have a massive impact. But you know, they were they were late getting up and running. They didn't get a full preseason under their belt, so it is exciting. But you do need to have something to cling on to with that. If you're going to have a good run at that league, then you know it is exciting, and you can start building momentum again into a good preseason, into another good year next year. But if the you know, if they don't get they finish in the top top two in that league and then get a chance at semi finals, it's going to be a grim enough year because I think is the Champions Cup technically still alive, but it's uh, it doesn't look very likely. You're not going to go through with with 17 points with a league like that. Yeah, no, and I suppose obviously, look, the the performance today, like you um, kind of alluded to earlier on, it, it wasn't bad performance, very competitive performance. Um, so we're not kind of dismissing the, the the current panel of players or, or the twenty three from today. But with that uh, in view, you know, should we start looking at developing players um, like Craig Casey at scrum half, um, maybe Ben Healy at, at out half, and these guys just to build, build strength and depth in the squad and build that future of monster players. Yeah, like I think there are actually players there. Like you look at Shane Daly coming out at the end there. He's so exciting, and obviously we see him in Carton as well. But he's on the seventh circuit. Craig uh, Casey looks really exciting. Uh, ben Healy, I've seen him in before the the most senior cup final last year in Thomas Park, and he's just spiraling the ball off both feet. I remember looking at him in the warm up, thinking, "Oh, he's left footed," and then looking back at him, going, "Oh, actually, he's right footed." So uh, he's got a lot of talent there. Um, 
you know, whether he developed them that early, obviously the crop that we have at the moment, it looks like a strong squad. So um, it's a little bit of mixture. I think you're going to get one or two guys coming through there. Shane Daly is putting his, uh, his foot forward there very well. So it's going to be a little bit of a balance. Um, but we have to keep developing them the same way Leinster do and it's just you know they keep coming off the wheel up there so we need to be trying to do the same Yeah I know absolutely and is, is there any other players in Cork on that, that you're coaching day in day out that you would uh, hope will move into the professional setup? Yeah I think Sean French is going really well for us uh, we've got a couple of players that come back all the time Sean French Sean French Alex McHenry uh, are back to come back Jack Crowley at 10 he's only with the under 20s hopefully this year um, and then we've got a couple of forwards come back, uh, like Rory Burke is up in Connacht and, and guys like that. But you know, there's a lot of excitement around Sean French and, and Jonathan Wren uh, and Jack Crowley coming up. So hopefully the lads can start pushing on. Alex has been with us quite a bit and we all know what he can do. So um, hopefully they can start pushing through the ranks of Munster as well and see what they can do. And I suppose back to the game, and I suppose the, the one or two or three of the key talking points obviously would have been um, the harassing tries. Obviously, Irabrahim's Ira um, unbelievable piece of skill uh, in the first half. Um, talk us through that. What do you make of that? So I thought there were two, I don't want to assume salty about it, but like they're, they're two lucky tries if you look at it. Like that, that pass, was it knocked on before that? It's very hard to see the momentum of the player coming forward with the ball as well. There's a pass was outrageous. Yeah, um, I think they lost control of the possession, which technically I should be a knock on. Um, so, like I was talking to Rory after, and like, like they're, they're not mistakes of destru- defensive structure, so lads aren't going to be there on Monday regretting what they did. They, they no. didn't break the defensive line, or they didn't, wasn't a system error. So. And that's why I thought they were so unlucky. Like, Teddy Thomas putting that ball down on the line, it was magic stuff. And that, that, they were the two tries that kind of got them ahead to win the game. So that's why I think Munster are going to feel so hard done by. Like it, it's a very difficult win to take. It's a yeah, like um, it's hard to to know how how close or how far we are really in in terms of making a breakthrough. Obviously, the last two years getting to semi finals and just being off off getting to a final, and then you, you go to a performance like today where you're actually in a game, and like we said, you're, you you can see two freak tries that give them momentum. Yeah. Um, so look. It's hard to know how much change is needed and how far away we are from it, but you you think there's hope there? Yeah, like you look at us to go to Claremont, I would have actually been up in a way to like thinking that if they're ever going to win a game in France against the Claremont like that, they they were riding the crest of the wave, and that that's the thing they were going to do it. And you no, know, they came up short. But then as a Claremont, they thinking so they're holding nothing here, and it wasn't the weak passing team by any means, you know. And I thought. Is this actually a very good performance? And we're um, we're putting it up to really big teams, like, and it's just a little bit disappointing in the end for both teams, actually, for us as well. Because I thought they had a big chance in the first half. So you, you'd wonder. It, it always seems to be we're just that little touch off the the top teams, you know. Yeah, look, and to be fair to, to Conor Murray, I thought today he he actually had a, a really good game. He kicked really well, controlled the game, and, and obviously JJ as well had a fantastic game for a fella coming back from an injury. Yeah. So um, I just think, like you said, that bit of X factor from Fakatu in, in particular, and and Russell bit of crea- creativity as well, kind of kind of edged it in their way. And look, I suppose they were able to empty their bench a bit a bit quicker than Munster were. Um, they they emptied, emptied their bench in the fifty fifth minute. I think Munster had to wait till ten minutes later. So maybe that extra bit of fatigue as well told. Yeah, and like in Munster, you're kind of trying to keep the strongest players on the pitch for as long as possible, and the, the changes are forced on you. Maybe it's a a salary cap thing and maybe it's just a budgetary thing that they just have a, a, a big squad of fellas who can just fill the gaps no bother and in in Irish provinces in Munster I think you're you're holding off with your best 15 on the, on the pitch as long as you can uh, in a lot of positions like in some positions you do have a positive change and all that but 
you're picking your, your strongest team and you're hoping they can hang in there as long as possible. You know, but I think Pete O'Man who played a great game again, like fellas like him and Conor Murray during the pressure all of a sudden from the public and I think they answered a lot of questions today. Yeah, absolutely. Peter Manny had an unbelievable try saving tackle in the first half too. And I guess you're right, that's where kind of monster like losing the likes of Ty Byrne, Carberry, these guys, and then on, on, on the opposite side of the fence, Sebo, Tonica Ryan, you know, those players were replaced pretty, well, not easily, but, you know, replaced by guys of, of similar stature. So absolutely, the strength yeah. and depth of the Munster squad um, probably isn't on par with your likes of Saracens and, and Racing Metro. Um, so look, obviously there there's probably restrictions in terms of the RFU and who they can sign and non-Irish players they can sign. Um, but look, that's probably where the, the developing key players and local players is is key. Yeah, and it's just tough to get them game time, you know, because from a coaching point of view, you look at it and you're trying to pick your strongest side all the time to um, to do a good job yourself. But that's where the good coaches tend to develop the players at the right time while your team is winning, and it's easier when the team is winning. But um, it's very difficult to try and take out your key players when you're trying to get who winning under a small bit of pressure. So um, hopefully there'll be a bit more game time, like A games and, and more league games for some of the fringe players to try and strengthen their experience as well. And being an ex-Stout half, um, obviously Johnny Sexton is is predicted to be back in time for the Six Nations. But um, I think Byrne at, at, at in Leinster ha, has been fantastic too. What would you do um, if you're if you're Andy Farrell and, and looking at out half position in Six Nations? Yeah, I had a lot of talk with Billy Burns and, and Ross Byrne. Um, and I don't know what Johnny Sexton's story is. And you, you kind of you'd love to get an insight into what Andy Farrell is actually thinking and what team he's going to go with. Is it going to be more experimental? Or are they going flat out to win the thing? Um, but I think uh, Ross Byrne is, is is playing great rugby like and he's like a carbon copy of Sexton in terms of just steps into that role in Leinster and just runs the team really well so I'd love to see him get a goal because I thought it was uh, I thought it was I kind of, he was hard done by not going to the World Cup even though Jack Carty was obviously going really well as well at the time um, it's a hard selection but I'd love to see Ross Byrne get a goal at some stage Yeah good stuff and of course you're you're currently involved as well with the the Cork Hurlers and footballers is performance nutritionist, so we're expecting yeah. big things uh, for the season. Can can one of them or either or can both of them or either win in All Ireland? Yeah, like it's a tough tough evening yesterday for Cork GA, but it's uh, it's start of the season. It's not the competition that you want to be winning, but you do want to get a bit of momentum. So uh, yeah, I think they're they're both improving the setups, and um, hopefully one of them will uh, will come good, and and both of them have the opportunity to do it. You know, great coaching staff coming in there. Uh, and changing things up a little bit so the freshening things up I think is going to suit them but uh, you need to have a good run in it as well so hopefully there can be a bit of success there as well Brilliant stuff Johnny look good rest for, luck for the rest of the season with Cork on with, um, with uh, Cork teams as well and look we look forward to talking to you here on the big red bench again thanks for- Thanks for Cheers Johnny oh, Yeah that's Johnny Holland there in conversation with Tomas he's a busy man Johnny Holland Tomas isn't he? Yeah, no, look, I've been involved in two Cork teams, I think various underage teams with, with Cork GA. Yeah. Backs coach the Cork Con as well, and you know, he does his own personal nutritionist stuff as well. So, absolutely very, very busy man, but he loves sport, he loves uh, GA as well as, um, I know he's an ex Bars man. Mm-hmm. So, um, big rugby head, obviously. So, you know, it's fantastic to see him developing as a coach with Cork Con too. Yeah, I was going to hear him talk about the, the Munster game there and uh, Munster's defeat to Racing, but interesting to hear him call from Ross Byrne to get a start uh, in the Six Nations. Yeah, I think Ross Byrne has definitely earned it. Um, I don't think I've ever seen the guy play a bad game with Leinster. Mm. Um, probably, and there's a reason the Carby came to, to Munster 
um, you know Leinster wanted to hold on to Ross Byrne over Carberry yeah. I think he's more of a structured player probably um, dictates the game more than Carberry whereas Carberry's more of a natural footballer probably a better athlete than, than Byrne but um, you know controlling a game in the Six Nations um, I guess calling the shots uh, you'd have to fancy Ross Byrne if Sexton's not, not playing uh, and just on wants to know I mean like how do you recover from a defeat like that and get back on the horse and get back onto the training pitch and, and get up for the next game you just have to um, get the win obviously against the, the Ospreys there is some bit of hope um, obviously it's out of your control so um, it's just professional rugby it's your job you have to you mm-hmm. have to dust yourself down um, playing at home in Thurman Park your last game of the European Cup uh, you want to show your family and you want to show um, everyone in Munster what it means to you to, to wear that jersey. Um, try and get five points and try and put yourself in a shot if Racing do somehow beat um, Saracens away from home. So it's a case of being professional. It's a case of dusting yourself down and doing the job. And obviously all the players will be hurting, but um, we've been beaten before in Munster and mm-hmm. we'll come back again. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to wrap up uh, today's um, Fitzgibbon and Sigerson Cup action involving ECC. I'm going to talk to uh, Kevin Byrne of the Irish Sun about uh, Spike O'Sullivan's performance in Texas last night. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. I'm going to call over at Villa Park, Tom Gale. Aston Villa 1, Manchester City 6. Anwar Al-Ghazi with the last kick of the game converting a consolation penalty. Manchester City, the champions, incredibly good. Aston Villa, incredibly bad. Agrero will grab the headlines for breaking Premier League hat-trick and non-English goal-scoring records, but huge question marks over Dean Smith's selections and tactics. City up to second. Villa need January reinforcements ASAP. Full-time, Aston Villa 1, Manchester City 6. We're going to focus now on Gaelic Games and uh, UCC in action in Fitzgibbon and the Sigerson Cups today. We'll hear from the hurlers in a bit, but first going to hear from uh, the footballers. The champions off to a winning start. Uh, they had to dig deep to beat NUI Galway today, 2-12, 2-1-14. Uh, this is UCC's Billy Morgan speaking to Oshin Langan on the Electric Ireland YouTube stream today. He was far from happy with the scheduling of today's game. Well, we're with Billy Morgan, the UCC manager. Billy, as dramatic as it gets, but your team win. Well, I could not be more proud of them. Um, I mean, all the obstacles, thanks to Croke Park, um, we were missing there six inter-county players, uh, injuries. Uh, we couldn't prepare. Like, college doesn't actually open until tomorrow, so we had to, to, to like, we couldn't prepare. We had no preparation, thanks to Croke Park. And I don't know what, who's making fixtures up in Croke Park or who the genius up there is, but they're, they're just clearing the decks. For inter-county, it's become an elite, uh, an elite uh, association. You see the players th- that are packing in because there's no future for them. Uh, they can't play. Now. And you look, yeah. I, that's another another day as well. Well, let's talk about the actual performance of your team. What was the difference in the end? Well, the difference was, I think, their, their heart, their, um, the, the, you know, uh, and spirit. They went, fell four points nil behind very early in the game. Um, got themselves together and played some very, very decent football and we caught open in UIG open uh, several times in that first half. Got two very good goals and went seven points up at one stage. Fair play to in UIG. They came back and brought it down to a point but our fellas just were not going to give in. And you'll really benefit from this game and this performance. It's IT Carlo, I think, next. 
That's right. Uh, next Saturday or Sunday, not sure which. Um, and uh, I think we're at home, but it doesn't matter where we're playing. They produce a performance like this. Uh, they'll win any game. Yeah, it's Billy Morgan there in conversation with Oshin Lang and far from happy with uh, the scheduling of today's game. He actually elaborated on that a little bit more um, speaking to the rest of the media afterwards. A couple of years ago they closed December and January. Now they're squeezing everything in, into January. I mean, and they start this competition and colleges aren't they're not open until the next week, this week coming. So over the Christmas period we had no preparation whatsoever. We couldn't. Um, as well as that, then, um, you have the, the, the All-Ireland Club. We had um, three players playing yesterday. Um, one started, Killian Spillane, and you can see how he was knackered to the end. Uh, Dermot did come on, and Graham O'Sullivan couldn't play. Um, and McGrath Cup. And McGrath Cup. They've started an under-20 league, and the National League is starting uh, into deep before the end of January so the inter-county teams have to train for that and prepare for that particularly with this uh, the, the way um, again Central uh, Croke Park um, has structured the thing that it's only the top two tiers getting to it um, which again it's becoming an elite association that just they're just catering for inter-county and clubs third level and even second level they're all suffering what can you they would it would it what I mean what was wrong with playing um starting the national league in March I'm sure most Kirk or uh, most managers would prefer a national league to start later that would bring them into the championship mm-hmm. so but, yeah. but, but, um, obviously Cork football is you mentioned there the two tier competition extra so the league is very important for Cork like, so I don't, like and fair play Cork have been good to us yeah. um, but like they're, they're playing national league in yeah. two weeks time yeah. um, uh, and they've released players like last like for but they have to, they have to get promoted or else they're not in, in, in the, the other so I don't blame them at all or whatever you know that's Billy Morgan there on the, the scheduling of today's Stigerson Cup game against NUI Galway Tomas saying that basically he didn't have access to his players until today college doesn't open until tomorrow he had no preparation not happy with Croke Park for uh, for fixing the game for today and you could hear just the 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 frustration in his voice I guess luckily I suppose UCC got the win in the end he would have been even more annoyed if they hadn't but um, yeah you can you can sense why he's upset yeah from his point of view I guess he didn't have access to his players and competition has started before they returned to college but look the amount of games and fixtures and competitions um, that Crow Park have, have to fix it's it's just uh, I can imagine even trying to tackle that yeah, it's to impossible to keep everyone happy at the same time isn't it Absolutely, very impossible. Like I think, you look at GA. Um, there's no off season. You look, you know, soccer, rugby. The players get a break. Mm. Whether it's club rugby, they know they're off for the summer. Um, you know, there's a winter break in soccer. Um, and unfortunately, we don't have that in the GAA. Um, and the intercounty scene now is is worth so much in terms of the revenue. Mm. Um, you know, it's a flagship of our game. The best players in Ireland. Um, you know, obviously there's attraction now internationally as well. People are watching the game, so. Um, you can't do away with that but then the club game is kind of neglected and resigned yeah. and, 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 and you have to fit that almost in around the inter-county schedule so there's kind of issues in, in regards to I guess what the GA actually stand for is it an amateur organisation or is it a professional organisation it's a much bigger issue to, to discuss and, and mm. tackle 
Certainly is. All right, we're going to hear now from uh, the Cork Hurlers as they beat NUI Galway today as well. Another narrow win, actually. Just a two-point win, UCC 19. Uh, NUI Galway, 17 points in the end. Uh, UCC bosses Tom Kingston. Great, good start, yeah. yeah. Coming up to Calgary, lads, playing in the Fitzgibbon Cup always is a really, really, really tough game to get. Um, I, I remember losing more matches than winning up here. Mm. So, like, you know, credit to both teams. They give it, they give it everything. And uh, they should be proud of themselves, both teams. So. Tom, what was Thank your you. thoughts on the game? Um, thoughts on the game? That number one, I suppose, is relief. Is relief that we got through it. Um, it was so close there, so tight. Um, NUIG played really well. Our lads never gave up. They fought to the end, as you can see. And we got two late points to win the game. But uh, overall, it's a great game holding. Yeah. Great game. It's great, great advert for the Fitzgibbon Cup. So, you were red hot fairs, Tom, but it was only really the last book of the game that they were going to We knew though, we knew coming up, it's it's, it's easy for somebody to, to give you this favourite stag, but we knew when we were coming to Galway today that there's nothing between us. There was never going to be that between us. We knew how good in UIG are, and you're playing them in their home pitch. It was a great game, and look, but the luck was with us in the end, and, but fair play to our lads, they never gave up, and they, they went all the ways. And you hear neighbours now, CIT and SA, what are your thoughts Same thing. Always in uh, never ever much more than a pocket of ball between ourselves and CIT. Never. So it'll be the same next Sunday. And see, there's loads of players that are playing for county. Well, would you find it's tough to balance the kind of the, the It is tough. It's very tough to balance. It's it, it, it's it's extremely tough on the players because they're they being pulled and dragged this time of year in particular between inter county and and uh, and with colleges and what have you. And it's really tough for them. But you know somehow they seem to manage it. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, very boss, Tom Kingston there speaking after their win over Agali. he's even reflecting on the fact that it is very very hard on players this time of the year Yeah, the honour of playing with your college and in a prestigious competition like the, the Fitzgibbon Cup or the Sigerson Cup isn't lost on those guys so um, you know these guys are prime athletes um, they're either playing 21 or, or senior hurling football for the county so mm. fitness isn't an issue so I, I think just in terms of tactical preparation could be the only um, benefit of, of getting them together so I think that's probably the joy of the competition too is that there's not too much of a pre-season or preparation for it lads are just thrown together yeah. and you're with your mates that, that you're studying with and in college with so um, a lot of times you're inter-county opponents as well yeah exactly you know your, your teammates you're playing against lads that you're playing with for your county and yeah. you're playing against them with a the college so um, speaking to any of the lads who have played Sigerson and, and Fitzgibbon you know, they really do kind of treasure the, the competition and, and the history of it and just kind of the, the nature of it too mm. so I think while there is obviously issues in terms of fixtures and kind of overplaying players and, and, and fatigue I think most intercounty players love playing in it it's kind of uh, old school shackles off you know smaller more intimate yeah. crowds and um, you know, there's none of the the over analysis or over preparation. So I think it's uh, competitions that are well and truly worthwhile. Uh, UCC back out in action. Uh, both sides that next weekend. I think the is facing uh, CIT next Sunday. I'll double check that one for you. And we're going to talk boxing now. And uh, Spike O'Sullivan, our good buddy, um, beaten last night by Jaime Munguia in the Alamo Dome in Texas in the early hours of this morning Irish time. Anyway. Um, went a lot longer I think the Munguia had expected Munguia eventually getting the TKO win in the 11th round after Spike's trainer Packy Collins uh, threw in the towel he'd seen enough and uh, wisely uh, took his man out of there uh, for more on it I spoke to uh, Irish uh, son boxing correspondent Kevin Byrne for more on the Spike O'Sullivan Jaime Munguia fight we're joined by our friend uh, Kev Byrne from the Irish son Kev how are you boy? 
not too bad in yourself Rory good sir good sir a bit tired after staying up for that set my alarm for half past three the fight didn't start until five which is just as well I got up at half past three because with the fight not being screened on TV I had to scramble to find it elsewhere it was a tough night to find it wasn't it yeah, it was one of those nights where we uh, had to commit a few sins online, <laughs> and uh, if those are the worst sort of sins you're going to be committing online, you're not doing too bad, but yeah. it was unfortunate this fight wasn't picked up by an Irish broadcaster, particularly with Spike O'Sullivan's story being shown on yeah. Virgin Media during the week, capturing the attention of the masses. Like Spike's, Spike's a good fella, you know, people who know his journey know he's one to watch, know no matter what, his fights are going to entertain, and uh, this documentary gave a, gave a taste of his personality, so it was a pity that, you know, the biggest, most pivotal fight of his career in the last couple of years wasn't shown. But those of us who did put in the hard yards overnight were rewarded with a, with a very good fight. Entertaining. Yeah, it certainly was. And I think it went a lot longer than maybe Mungia was expecting. Spike is as tough as old boots. We all know that as well. But I think Mungia knows now how tough Spike really is. Yeah, um, there were predictions, of course, that Mungia would uh, take Spike out at around the halfway stage, but he was in it for the he was in it for the long road, Spike, and he seemed to warm up as as the fight went on. Almost similar though to the way the Chris Eubank Jr. fight went, mm. Spike had his best moments within the early rounds, probably the second to the fourth, and after that, uh, the, the younger uh, man with a bit more kind of volume in his punching. To, uh, got on top unfortunately though for Spike's chances a number of low blows midway 6th and 7th round really seemed to hurt him the one in the 7th round put him down uh, Mungia was penalised for a low blow in the 6th a point taken off but there were also low blows I think in the 4th and 5th round as well and if you know if you want to really slow down an opponent you know what it felt like when you're a kid if, <laughs> if somebody flicks you with a fingernail in that area so to be hit by a monster puncher uh, world champion Mexican full force a number of times in the in the family jewels fortunately Spike already has four children so <laughs> he's probably well looked after there but you could really see he fatigued straight afterwards yeah and it was uh, it was disappointing from his from his perspective. I think at one stage, maybe in the eighth, he tried to hit Mungia back there. You know, it's just yeah. in the way that you give me one, I'll give you one back. But Mungia was up at that stage, maybe five or six one. You know, so um, Mungia seemed to take over down the stretch. It looked like Spike was going to see out. Uh, it, it looked like Spike was going to see out the, the fight just by virtue of getting to the eleventh round. But from the eight ninth on, he was taking maybe from the ninth round on, he was taking some clean punches. And his coach Pascal Collins was having some compassionate and measured discussions with him about maybe taking him out. They discussed going out on the shield. So in the end, they'd come. You were nearly glad to see it because yeah. you know you don't want to see a fighter get hurt. And Mungia was starting to load up and starting to hit his target more often than he had been in the earlier rounds. How impressed were you with Mungia? I've read a lot about him this week. I have to admit, this is my first time seeing him fight last night. But um, flashy combinations. He seemed to be loading up on power punches, which weren't really landing a lot throughout the fight. But looks a good fighter. He's not bad. Um, I thought he was somewhat, and I'd say, exposed by Dennis Hogan last year. But for a 23-year-old, having be, uh, fought the likes and beaten the likes of uh, Saddam Ali, Liam Smith, Spike O'Sullivan, and there's obviously a question mark about his win over Dennis Hogan. But he, he's got decent, uh, he's got decent um, opposition now, racked up for a 23-year-old. He looked. Looked quite comfortable last night. He looked. At, he had the speed on Spike. He had. He had the, the youth. He was able to move around the ring a bit better, and he was confident his chin showed up as well. Because we we all know Spike O'Sullivan can really bang. I've I've been ringside to see him 
knock out lads with one punch, you know. And I know what happens when his fists connect with a guy's chin. But obviously Munguia is harder, uh, stronger than some of the guys that Spike has maybe fought before. And when Spike did land on his chin, and we saw it, and that was the that was the big question mark in this, because Spike was clearly willing last night to take three punches to land one. We saw some of the punch stats. It was, it was you know, two to one in punches landed at one stage. But I don't think... I'd say when Spike was visualizing this fight for the last few months, or he's been dreaming about this fight now for a year, he knew he knew that was in the script. I'll have to take two punches to land one. But what's going to happen when he when I hit him? And at least he had those questions answered. Spike did manage, unlike the David Lemieux fight, for instance. He did at least under, get to understand what happens when he lands his punch on on Mungia's chin. And fair play to Mungia, he took the shots. He calmed himself. He got back to doing what he does best, and you know he he won the fight down the stretch. I know we touched on this just a, a bit ago, but um, Packy Collins deserves tremendous credit for identifying that his man was in trouble last night, pulling him out of the fight by throwing in the towel. He knows Spike better than everyone else. Um, he did it against um, Eubank as well when he recognised that Spike couldn't continue with the bursted eardrum. So Packy Collins deserves tremendous credit last night for not letting his fighter take more punishment than was due. Yeah, like these guys are like blood brothers at this stage. Um, obviously, Collins comes from a famous boxing family, but I had imagined the person in boxing he's closest to is probably Spike O'Sullivan. They began this journey together back in 2008. That was their 34th fight together. You know, they've been mm-hmm. everywhere. They fought in Las Vegas. They fought in hotels. They fought. They fought absolutely everywhere. Been all over the world. And yeah, you could see the compassion in in the corner when when Pascal Collins was saying. Are you okay to go on? And he, it's such a dilemma for a coach because to pull him out, you could, you could sever the relationship forever because then you could be known as the one who forced me to quit in a fight and, and no fighter wants to quit. So certainly someone like Spike and there was, there's absolutely zero quitting him. You could see that last night. He was, he, he'd rather, uh, when he was fatigued, he'd rather sit there on the ropes and, and bide the time and try and take with one big shot while still being hit with four or five you know mm. heavy shots to the head and obviously yeah, it got to the stage where Pascal Collins said my guy is braver you know braver than he, he knows how brave his fighter is and he'll take the punches all night long but you know there's there's, a, there's always a tomorrow and Spike I don't think is going to retire at this stage I'd imagine he'll fight on so you know there gets to a stage where you've got to do best for us you got to do, do your fighters uh I'm struggling to get the words out after a long night there, you know yourself. I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm 90% coffee now at this point, I think. Um, yeah, but just on the retirement thing, I mean, like, I think people might be expecting Spike to retire. You tweeted last night after the fight that um, Packy Collins said that he expects Spike to, to continue to fight. He loves, it's what he loves doing. That's what he'll continue to do. Well, I, I was interviewing uh, Pascal during the week and, uh, you know, I, I was going to ask the question, like, you know, this is such a big fight. If he wins, he's got the likes of Canelo and all these huge fights. But uh, I was probably going to ask the question, if he loses, is that it, you know, for Spike yeah. Sullivan? Because he's he's been to the well so many times. He's been to the big show and where does he go? But unprompted, without even getting to that question, Pascal said, and this is an effort, Spike, win or lose, he's going to fight on. He loves fighting too much. He's going absolutely nowhere. We know he's got a contract with Golden Boy. We know he the entertainment level he brought to last night's fight. See him giving Dax wax to the zone, <laughs> uh, to the zone reporter last night as he described how he gets his his mustache curl so well. And he was a brilliant tester now for Munguia last night. Like Munguia is going to be able to move on last night with a few questions answered. I think there's still a couple of decent fights out there for Spike O'Sullivan. He's a promotional stablemate of Donegal's Jason Quigley. Um, there's the fight with Dennis Hogan now. Both of them have been on the receiving end of defeats to Jaime Munguia. 
And um, there's even a potential, like, if Luke Keeler is unsuccessful in his WBO world title shot against uh, Demetrius Andrade at the end of the month, there's a potential fight there. That maybe that might might be a bit trickier to make because the two are good friends from their time together at the Celtic Warriors gym. But boxing is a business, and we rule out nothing in the sport. Yes, all right, Kev. Thanks very much for taking our call. You can read uh, more from Kevin the Irish Sun uh, today. So, uh, Kev, thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks, Rory. Happy New Year to you all. You too, sir. Always a pleasure talking to uh, Kevin Byrne of the Irish Sun, uh, speaking to me about uh, Spike's fight with uh, Hammy Mungia. Uh, you were up at five o'clock in the morning uh, tuning in. Up at three, boy. Uh, with the fight, is that a fight, did it? <laughs> yeah, well, it was supposed to start at like four, I think, obviously everything ran late. Um, it was just as well I got up early because, as we I discussed with Kevin, it wasn't actually streamed on any Irish TV channel or, or British TV channel which is very frustrating considering um, Spike's profile in Ireland the, yeah. the high profile nature of this fight and the fact as Kevin mentioned uh, Virgin Media screened the prize fighter on Wednesday which is a fantastic documentary about Spike O'Sullivan so there was plenty of interest there I can't imagine a deal to, to, to screen this fight in Ireland would have been all that expensive so it was frustrating that it wasn't on TV um, as Kevin mentioned uh, those of us who were up at that hour had to revert to uh, nefarious means to watch the fight we got there in the end. And was it worthwhile? Obviously, it seems like an unbelievable performance. It was, yeah, it was an entertaining scrap. Um, Mungia um, came out early. Um, I think he expected a far easier time against Spike than what he got. Um, Spike landed some lovely shots in the third round, had Mungia rattled. Um, Mungia fought a bit dirty, to be perfectly honest. He caught Spike below the belt a number of times, as Kev mentioned. Um, deducted a point in the sixth. Um, should have been deducted another point in the seventh. I don't know why that um, punch to the groin in the seventh had me wincing. I'm watching on the couch uh-huh. thousands and thousands of miles away. Yeah. Um, it hurt. And that took Spike's gas tank. And it, the cynic in me believes it was deliberate. Um, a lot of um, rabbit punches to the back of the head as well, uh, which Spike was complaining about. But um, you can't take anything away from Spike. That guy is an absolute warrior. Um, went out in his shield last night. Um, kind of no complaints I don't think but I uh, would pack you throwing in the towel last night but just tough out did us all proud I think and gave Mungia certainly something to think about uh, Mungia comes out of that fight looking like a, a better fighter I think and as Kevin mentioned I don't think Spike is going to call it today um, he's got another couple of fights left with him you'd expect Spike to fight again this year he just loves it it's in his blood it's what he wants to do it's what he, want to keep on, what he wants to keep on doing and I'd imagine um, he still has that contract with Golden Boy um, they'll keep him busy um, he's uh, managed by um, uh, Murphy's Boxing over in the States it's Ken Murphy from the, the Dropkick Murphy's is his manager and as part of the management company and they've certainly kept him busy got him a very high profile contract with Golden Boy um, so and as I was saying to you earlier off the air I, like Packy Collins wouldn't keep sending him out to fight if he didn't think that Spike has something to give Um so if Spike is fighting that means that he's okay to continue fighting and I think he will yeah, he seems like he, he lives for it. He loves the fighting game. Um, and he seems he talked about his family in the build-up to it and, and providing for them. He's yeah. just bought a house. I see That seems to be his motivation. So if there's a prospect of further paydays, I, mm. I think he'll do it. Yeah, he's a top man as our Spike. And hopefully we'll talk to him on the show next weekend. But um, yeah, I actually quite enjoyed the fight. I was very impressed by Spike's performance. Um, Mungia looked really good in patches. He threw some very flashy combinations. Um, had a big long range of jab that was a uh, troubling spike but when Spike got inside he caused Mungia some trouble um, so yeah good performance 
looking forward to seeing uh, what happens next uh, for Spike O'Sullivan just before we uh, wrap up the show we've got a couple of minutes left uh, Cork's hurlers and footballers beaten last night uh, by Limerick we'll uh, hear from Kieran Kingston first talking about the hurlers defeat to Limerick in the Munster Senior Hurling League final then, uh, obviously disappointed with how it finished we thought we were in the game at half time uh, but we kind of lost our way half through the second half and Limerick ran out obviously <laughs> very deserving with us you were very competitive in the first half yeah we were yeah we were I just suppose look we had a lot of young lads in there and the fellas that weren't even on our panel and that's so um, we're delighted with their attitudes uh, and they've been good for us during the whole months of league in the first half Ryan is under 20s they support us when we don't have, have access to our players uh, at this stage so um, we were very competitive for until I suppose 10, 10 minutes in the second half and they kind of slipped away from us then you know have you any idea as to why that happened did you tire have you a lot of work done uh, we, we obviously tired there's no question about that like, I mean, they didn't we did and they brought in they were able to juice introduce some uh, <laughs> <laughs> Some senior players, <laughs> we just hadn't had the liberty, hadn't the, uh, had the ability to do that. But I suppose like, that's the whole purpose of this competition for, to, for a, to give get some game time into some of our last senior lads who haven't some haven't hurled since July, yeah. and some of the younger lads who have out from the twenties and, and, and twenty ones the last two years and give them a chance to see. I suppose hurling at this level, like so, yeah. and it has worked well for that, like because obviously. You, repeat myself we've 21 players away with Fitzgibbon Cup over the weekend so uh, uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to do without them for a while yeah. you're back in the job has hurling changed any bit in the couple of years that you've been away I mean look it's probably early days you know we've only had it's only the third game we've had so and it's, it's the uh, it's 11th of January yeah. <laughs> so some things only come back from holidays uh, so like we're not going to get carried away whether we won tonight or last tonight we're not going to get carried away with tonight it's early days and finally um, what's your approach now uh, as you approach the National League it's only around the corner in what sense in the sense that you know it, you'll be anxious to do well obviously in the National League and get confidence into the team I mean look I, I think that's a given as far as I'm concerned every time you put on a cock jersey and you go play a game you say a series game no matter if it's a challenge game or a National League game or a Munster League game and if you win you're delighted if you don't win you're disappointed so and I think uh, that's expected and, and, and respecting the jersey and respecting the honour of playing with cock jersey. if that's not a given then I, 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 I think I'm not sure that's a reasonable question because I would expect it to be, <laughs> that to be a given. That's Kieran Kingston there speaking after last night's defeat uh, to Limerick. A big comfortable win in the end for, for Limerick Moss, wasn't it? They look pretty loaded in terms of, of their of their team selection. And mm. I guess so did Cork. You know, you had um, Harnady, uh, these guys up front um, for Cork as well. So but early doors, um, they're obviously have a new physical trainer, um, different approaches yeah. uh, in both camps. You know, this wouldn't be high in anyone's list in terms of uh, results anyway I guess this is about finding new players uh, maybe betting in different um, new structures exactly, within yeah. a team so nothing to panic about but definitely an opportunity for different players to put their hand up Alright in the McGrath Cup final the footballers also uh, beaten by Limerick on here briefly now from uh, Ronan McCarthy speaking afterwards to be fair, um, you know, we played actually Limerick before Christmas and, and, and they gave us a good game um, uh, in Mallow, so we knew we'd just be Billy's out of good work with Dome at the moment the last number of years and uh, well, well, well deserving the victory. From, from your point of view, you're a couple of weeks out from the National Football League. Uh, are you happy with how things have been progressing? You've shot a lot of players tonight. 
short some players, but we're but we're we were enough to, to, to come up, I suppose, and, and play better this evening. Our preseason's gone very well, and uh, I suppose the thing is, you know, not to to get too despondent about about um, tonight's one match. Uh, other than that, you know, we've played seven games, and and, and they've, they've gone generally well. And today was, as I say, look, a different test for us, and, and one that we didn't come through. But uh, all look, all eyes now on, on Offaly in two weeks' time. Yeah, that's a big game for you in the sense of the National League. A couple of wins at the start is vital, isn't it? Yeah, they're all big games now, and, and I suppose the nature of the league is whatever division you're in, if you don't win your, your, your first game, and we haven't done that over the last couple of years, you know, there's pressure on it immediately. So, um, look, we focus on making sure that we're well prepared over the next couple of weeks for the forward again. Can you take. <coughs> Sorry. Right. Can you take any positives from tonight, Ronan? work out and a good test for us and um, I suppose we, we, we played this, uh, this is our seventh match since we came back in December and you know some of them we've, we've come through fairly easily and this was a, a different type of test and um, you know you find out with guys in games like this and we kept trying to the end and you know just some of our decision making was poor but that's down to Limerick put us under pressure you know hit us well on the counter and uh, and uh, I'm a lot Yeah that's Ronan McCarthy there speaking after uh, Cork's defeat uh, to Limerick last night in the McGrath Cup uh, final up in the Gaelic rounds, but it doesn't sound too upset. He's happy enough with their their their, their games so far. As he said, they played seven games. He's been reasonably happy with all of them, and so he's not too upset, I suppose. No, this time of the year, you want to be tested and find out things about one or two players, and, and maybe see things that you like in others. So, um, look, the National League is in a couple of weeks' time, um, and Cork seems to be ticking along nicely. Um, the new 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 coach, obviously, to work under Ronan McCarthy mm. as well, Keane O'Neill. So, um, a lot of experience there. So, look, exciting times for Cork football. Yeah, just a couple of uh, weeks now to go to the start of the National Leagues as well. So uh, certainly all hands on deck um, for uh, both Cork's hurlers and footballers. That's pretty much it from us uh, for our show tonight. Thank you very much indeed uh, for tuning away on the Big Red Bench tonight. If you've missed any of it, uh, tonight we spoke to uh, Johnny Holland about Munster's uh, defeat to Rassing. Talked to Kevin Byrne about Spike O'Sullivan when we heard uh, from UCC. Uh, following their Fitzgibbon Cup and Sigerson Cup wins today over NUI Galway you can check out the Big Red Bench podcast that's available on uh, redextra.ie get it wherever you get your podcast from as well next week of course we'll be discussing Munster versus the Ospreys and that very slim chance maybe not a slim chance slim kind of thin chance very, at, at chance uh, very slim but look we'll we, we'll go there and hope anyway um, we, uh, once we'll get the five points yeah. just depending on the results unfortunately you never never know but that's uh, next uh, Sunday at uh, one o'clock so we'll be discussing that on the show next weekend uh, as well thank you very much indeed folks for tuning our way Alan Donovan's up next uh, with Green on Red three hours of the best Irish music uh, coming your way uh, between now and ten o'clock uh, right here on Cork's Red FM behalf myself and Tomas uh, have a very good uh, Sunday night folks uh, we'll talk to you next Saturday at 6pm The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM